From the snowy studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up. Presents uh, Danny Flecka here on a Saturday morning. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I am well. Well, you know, it's it's college hoop season. Selection show tomorrow. This is probably... I mean, yeah, franchise tag, combine, all that jazz, but you don't usually receive NFL push alerts, uh, push notification alerts on on your phone this time of year. Um, Then boom, Panthers make the big move and move up to that number one draft spot with the Bears. When, When you first saw that push notification, because I think we've known for a while with the Bears having Justin Fields, High likelihood they would trade out of that spot, but how surprising were, or how surprised were you slash are still surprised that it was the Panthers and for as much as they got? Yeah, I, it was shocking, and I found out from you, so I didn't get the alert. Uh, <laughs> but you, you texted me that. I looked a little bit into what happened and. I looked at how the Bears went about it and how the Panthers went about it and was not shocked because we, we anticipated a move coming. You know, there was a lot of rumbling that maybe Chicago would be trading fields and keeping the number one pick. Uh, you know, that never really seemed like a logical decision on their part. So trading out of number one was going to be the important part, I think, for their offseason. You had a number of teams I felt like that could be, you know, you know, options for them at number one. They could have traded with the Texans. They could have traded with the Colts. They could have traded with the, um, you know, Seattle wanted to be super aggressive. They could have done that. But, you know, signing Geno Smith probably took that out of, of question. Las Vegas could have been aggressive and went up to number one. Um, and Carolina was another team that desperately needed something and, you know, there was maybe some other outside teams that, that could have done it, but at that point, you're you're definitely giving up a lot to just get up to number one. The, the Panthers, I am surprised they moved up as high as they did and gave up as much as they did from a player perspective. And, and the capital they gave up is fine. You know, I think that's what's expected move up to number one, your first-round pick this year, a first-round pick next year, a couple of seconds and a couple of thirds sprinkled in there. Uh, and they have some extra capital with dealing, you know, Kirsten McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson last offseason. I mean, last season, so they had a little bit of wiggle room, you know, the later rounds to give up some capital there. I'm surprised they gave up D.J. Moore at the price that he was signed to to move up to number one because the thought is that you're drafting a quarterback, and now he has nobody to throw to. So that was surprising to me. Uh, I think I looked into it. D.J. Moore still has three years left, around like $17 million. Just relatively cheap, I think, for a number one wide receiver. He definitely, I think, been underutilized. He's had some really terrible quarterbacks throwing the ball to him. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker. Uh, your boy Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and his state in Carolina wasn't very good. 
Um, you know, now we go to a team that all of a sudden could be looking at a quick turnaround here with some decent skill players, uh, you know, with Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, DJ Moore, Justin Fields, uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, so that's a decent core right there from a skill player standpoint. And now the Bears can look to use some of those assets they gain to build the offensive line and strengthen that defense. They really set themselves up here, I think, for you know a good two- or three-year stretch when they still have fields on a relatively cheap contract, which runs around the same time as you know D.J. Moore's contract. So the Bears came out you know, awesome here. I thought that this was a great move for them. The Panthers on the other side, you know, Frank Reich was probably like, I'm not going through another quarterback carousel. We have to give up what we have to give up to get the guy I want, and then we figure it out from there, and then so be it. We have like a four- to five-year window where we can figure out other things and, you know, invest in the team in other areas while we, you know, get the guy that we want. The question is, who do I think it is? I think it's C.J. Stroud. I think that's the guy that they're probably going to target with that number one pick, uh, which makes the rest of the top five very, very interesting, you know, moving out of that number one spot. But I thought the Bears did great here, and, and Carolina obviously had their sights set on somebody, and they can rest assured they'll get whoever they want because they're the first ones up. They are. They are officially on the clock. Um, anything out of the combine that caught your eye? I mean, not really. <laughs> I mean, everybody's making a big deal out of Anthony Richardson, you know, and what he did there. I think it was known in, in NFL circles and in college circles that the guy was a freak of nature. Um, just the way he was built, the way that he could run the run, the way he can, you know, throw. I, I'm not surprised that he did what he did. I, I'm a little surprised about how he's moving up the draft board. And we see it every year, and I think we should be better about this, knowing that this happens all the time, but he wasn't even in the first-round pick when the season started. He has a lot to work on from a mechanical standpoint. I don't think he's a a great passer. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I still take Bryce Young over him, despite what people are saying about his size and everything. Just think he's a really, really good player. I like C.J. Stroud too a lot. Um, I, I like the way he proved himself to me. You know, in that Georgia game, that you know, with the right scheming and the right play calling, you know, you can get a lot out of him that you maybe didn't know that he could give you. But you know, we saw freak athletes run great times. We saw you know some athletes run times that we didn't expect. Uh, you know. It's, it's the same song and dance every year. At the end of the day, you know, teams understand what they're looking for. They understand what these players can give them. And not everything in football, you know, is based off of testing. You have to remember they're going up against air at the end of the day. And some of these, some of these athletes are just absolute freaks and will test absolutely insane on certain things. And some are just better football players. 
you know, when you put the pads on and you get them into one-on-one situations or, you know, group situations, they just perform better. And that's the way it is. It's the way it's always going to be. And, you know, just because you run fast and you jump high doesn't mean that you're going to have a great NFL career. Well, that was my question. And uh, Danny Fleck is with us here on a Saturday morning in uh, March. I don't even know what day today is. Is today the 11th? No, I think so. Yeah, I'm not next to a calendar. Should be the 11th. Um, uh, 2023. Are you in favor of keep? There's been talk about changing the combine, keeping the combine, moving the combine, demolishing the combine. Uh, where do you stand on the combine? I think the combine is a great tool for some of these players that may not be coming from bigger programs that may be overlooked throughout the year based off a conference they play in or the teams they play against or if they had a a shortened season because of an injury or whatever it may be. I I think the combine is a great opportunity for them to show themselves. These other players that come from, you know, bigger programs may not always want to test the combine. They may only go to measure themselves and then they use their pro day as a situation where they're going to be able to, to show themselves I think at the end of the day, you know, there, there's some aspects of the combine I think that are really, really good. And I think that's where you see a lot of the, the seeds planted for, you know, trades and for free agency and for an opportunity to meet face-to-face in one centralized location. Um, so I think that's a good thing for the combine. Overall, do I need five days of it? Jump down my throat. With, in, with videos posted of a guy running an insane 40? Probably not, to be honest <laughs> with you. And, and some of these players have been using it as that. They're using it, like like I mentioned, to, as an opportunity to meet face-to-face with people and go you know, go through things that way. So um, I don't see it going away anytime soon, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, the Giants locked up Daniel Jones. You and I had a long conversations this week on that contract. It is a very, very good, good contract, I think, for both sides. Yeah, I mean, look, listen, at the end of the day, you know, the people are going to say what they're going to say. They're going to have their opinions. They're going to throw up these, these pictures, these stats of what he did, what he's done compared to other QBs, you know, so forth and so on. They, they can keep doing that. You, as an NFL team, need to weigh the pros and cons of the investment you're making any player. The Giants this year are picking in a spot where it's not realistic for them to invest in a quarterback that can make an impact. Joe Shane and Brian Dayball went into last season saying to Daniel Jones, to the entire team, listen, clean slate, but you all got to prove it. You want to be here, you want to be part of this team moving forward, you got to prove it. They declined Daniel Jones' option. They didn't extend Barkley during the season. They let the season play out and let the cards fall where they, where they did. At, at the end, Jones you know, may not have gotten the contract that he got from the Giants in the open market, and that's fine. You know, part of me during this process was like, let him go and test the open market, see what he gets, see if his demands drop a little bit. But there comes a point in time, too, where a player might be more valuable to a certain team 
given the situation, given the coaching, given the opportunity, than he may be elsewhere. And, and I think that's what we see with Daniel Jones. His contract for his first year is $19 million cap hit, which gives them a great opportunity to build the roster a little bit more. Yes, his numbers jump off the next year and the following year. Yeah, he's X, Y, and, you know, he's number seven right now, paid quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. You know, Justin Herbert needs to be paid. Joe Burrow needs to be paid. Jalen Hurts needs to, needs to be paid. There's going to be quarterback. You know, Trevor Lawrence will need to get paid. At the end, Daniel Jones will go back to the middle of the pack from an annual standpoint with the dollars that he's making. And in the meantime, the cap will continue to go up. The Giants will figure out if he really deserves another extension. And if not, after year three, they can get rid of him and they can figure out what they want to do. But I think it was a good move by them to lock him up. I think that they understand that he rode to the occasion this year. And, yes, he may not have thrown for 35 touchdowns, but he led the team every single week. He was a dynamic quarterback when given the right opportunity. Giants now, the pressure's on them continue to build a team around him to allow his skill set to continue to blossom. So they got to invest in the interior offensive line, get another you know pass catcher or two that can provide some more depth and some more explosiveness, and just continue to build around him. And I think that they understand that with the mentality they're going into the season, they see an opportunity here where they could potentially be the team that's rising up in the NFC East while Dallas is dealing with some of their cap issues. Philadelphia, we're already starting to see that their Super Bowl roster that they had this year is not going to be the same roster next year. Um, and Washington's still in flux with the possible sale of the team. You know, who knows what their quarterback's going to be. So th- there's an opportunity here for the Giants to start laying that foundation. And I think that they, they saw that Daniel Jones could be that guy for them. And I'm open to it as a Giants fan. I just hope he can continue to build on what he did last year. Our staying stuff now can you know be quiet later on. That brings us to Zach Wilson and what his extension will be. <laughs> uh, just trying to throw Danny Kern falls just like every time. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Danny Fucker with a turn. Do you think they're getting Rodgers? What? Do you think they're getting Rodgers? So, so this is this is the big question. So, the GM last night was talking to a local Fox station in past tense. Um, so, I think it's either going to be retirement or it's going to be coming to the Jets. I've made it very vocal, as Dane Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up knows, that I am anti this move. I believe this is Brett Favre 2.0. Um, the Jets do have draft capital to make this work. I just think that Rodgers is past his prime and that while the weapons are great, I just don't know if we want to go down this, this show every single week with some of the crazy stuff he says. Not for or against it, but just that side of show instead of it being just football, football, football. I don't know who should be the, the next Jets quarterback. Uh, Derek Carr found his new home. That's the Saints. I've been a, a, a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. Uh, I've heard nothing on Garoppolo. That brings us to Baker Mayfield. Um, so you're going down in talent, down in talent, down in talent, 
while a future first ballot Hall of Famer sits out there. Um, I honestly believe that he will become a Jet, but I don't want him to become a Jet. I, I mean, if I'm the Jets and I have my opportunity to sign a quarterback, I, I would go more aggressively towards Lamar Jackson than I would Aaron Rodgers. I know that you are giving up uh, two first-round picks, and you know Lamar Jackson, I think, has hurt himself by not having an agent. I think it's clear that his, his guaranteed contract demand is just not going to going to be there. But if I'm if I was a Jets, I would look more into Jackson. And if I had to give up the capital and the investment, I'd rather give it to somebody I know that could be on my team for the next five years and want to play football. Where Aaron Rodgers is, you know, let's just say what it is—he's a weirdo, right? Yeah. He's, He's, he's on his own. He's on his own path. He, he wants to do what he wants to do, and and like you said, you get him this year, you give up all that capital, all that money, and you're probably back in the same boat maybe next offseason. My question to you, Danny, is Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. <clears throat> the Jets will get Brees Hall back. They have Michael Carter. Um, they have. I'm forgetting somebody, but they'll probably sign a, another running back. And all those weapons, do you need a running quarterback in Lamar Jackson? So I don't want to classify him as a running quarterback. I think he is just a dual-threat quarterback. and happens to be probably the best dual-threat quarterback we have seen since Michael Vick. It, it took a while for Michael Vick to become a passer as well. Yeah. Well, Mark Jackson, to me, is way ahead of where Michael Vick was as a passer at this point in his career. If I'm a Jets fan and I'm the Jets, I look at my roster. I have Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. Uh, you know, you have a, a decent offensive line that you can maybe build a little bit with some later picks in the draft to get some more depth there. A defense that played pretty well, and you have an anchor in Sauce Gardner that's going to be on your team for the next you know, five years at least. Um, you know, again, the cap will continue to go up. You know, I could get Lamar Jackson for five years, $200 million with, you know, maybe $130 million guaranteed. And I give up, you know, my first-round pick this year, my first-round pick next year. I would do that. If you're the Jets, you have to look at it, too, and say, we're in a conference with, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh, Her- I mean, uh, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence that was on his way up. How else are we going to compete over the next five to six years unless we get a guy that's going to be here for five to six years? I, I would do. I would be aggressive and go after it. You know, you. I think Lamar Jackson could definitely make that team a playoff contender and you know compete within the conference. I don't think Aaron Rodgers for one or two years does you any good because then you're just right back to where you were this year playing the same game over and over again. With Zach Wilson on your roster still potentially in who knows what mental state. Um, this is a I mean, tricky song and dance. One tricky song and dance. I mean, if you're the Jets, 
and you have Zach Wilson, you got to be like, who cares about him right now? Like, he's not costing a team a ton of money. He's going to be on the roster maybe for another year or two, if that. They don't have to pick up any option. They can decline it. They can cut him, I think, after this year and not really see too much of a cap hit. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre situation. And it's one the Jets have gone down the, the road before with Brett Favre and didn't pay off. Um, and now... We'll see how this one pays out, uh, uh, plays out, and and pays off because there is so much potentially riding on this. Um, do you believe that Garrett Wilson, uh, Sauce Gardner, and Brees Hall burning the cheese head that Sauce Gardner got yesterday? Uh, sorry, got after the uh, uh, Green Bay game. Um, and, and, and put on his head, uh, do you believe the uh, burning of that was will be significant in these contract negotiations? <laughs> you, there, you there, Danny? Have we lost Danny? Uh, we may have lost Danny Flunker. Oh, no, that's never a sign you went on the podcast. Stay with us, folks. Stay with us, folks. We're going to call Danny back. Hey. You know, it was it was the burning of cheese heads. It was too much for you, you know? It just got you uh it got you flustered. Um Danny Fleck is still with us here on teeing it up for about another three minutes. Um, it's a weird scenario for the Jets by far. It's a very bizarre scenario, and you see current players trying to woo him in, um, whether it's by burning cheese heads or by doing any other recruiting opportunities. Um, weird scenario. Before we move on to college basketball, anything else from the world of football stand out to you? No, free agency starts on Thursday. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we're seeing teams start to shed some cast, you know, obviously preparing themselves for free agency. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think there are a lot of teams that, you know, make some moves just to solidify themselves. Uh, and we'll see what other trades go down. I do think that there are going to be some trades that are going to come. You know, Jalen Ramsey, the name that's been thrown out there. Derek Henry recently emerged as a name. That's going to be potentially on the block. Uh, Darius Slay, the Eagles gave the opportunity to go seek a trade. So, you know, I think we're going to see a busy week this week as teams solidify themselves to go after free agents and then get ready for the draft. All right, moving on to college basketball. I have paid very little attention to it. I fully admit that. So with that primer, what are you looking for this weekend as we head towards Selection Sunday? Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I haven't really started paying attention to the last, like, until, like, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I think there's some interesting teams that I've watched. You know, Texas A&M's the team that I, I watched last week play against Alabama. Um, you know, they finished second in the SEC, which has been a pretty competitive conference this year. Uh, they have an opportunity here to win the SEC tournament. You know, they, they could be a team that, that when we get to the 
the actual tournament could be a team that could make a run. Um, in the Big Ten, we are seeing teams like Penn State and Ohio State, two teams that may have been out. I mean, Ohio State was definitely out of the comp- of the tournament um, going into their conference tournament, but they're playing themselves potentially to a championship Sunday here. It's an opportunity to steal a, a bid from a team that's on the bubble, so that would be really interesting on that side. All the other conference tournaments, um, I can't – I don't know if Oregon won last night uh, against UCLA, but that was another team that was, was firmly out that could potentially, you know, play themselves in. But, again, I don't know if they won last night or not. Uh, if they did, then they obviously have a chance to play for the Pac-12 tournament uh, championship. But I think everything else has been pretty much status quo. That, and we'll see what happens. You know, some teams like North Carolina just utter disappointment this year. Uh, ranked number one preseason, barely finished with 20 wins. I don't see them getting in, uh, so we'll see what happens uh, today and tomorrow. But I think it's going to be, you know, what, what we are seeing about who's getting in and who's getting out will probably stay that way unless, again, we get like a Penn State, Ohio State, you know, championship game that potentially still a bit. Uh, but I think everything else will be. Uh, pretty much where it's supposed to be. I know Vanderbilt won last night, too, so they potentially could also be in a situation where they could steal a bit from somebody that's on the outside looking in. All I know is that somehow I got men's college basketball push notifications onto my phone, and all season I've been seeing, number one, changing hands, changing hands, changing hands, changing hands, changing hands. That's parody, and that could be one exciting NCAA tournament, and when you move past Selection Sunday... Most important thing becomes, will the uh, tournament be exciting and have some crazy finishes? And that's what I think we're set up for. Yeah, I think what I've heard from people that I've listened to and, and read is that there aren't any dominant college teams. There is just that like, number one prospect that is out there right now that's going to be uh, you know, carrying his team to a, a national championship. So we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be an interesting um, tournament. It always is. It never disappoints. It's one of the best sporting events that, that we have. And, and I'm just happy it's back to normal. Amen. So on that note, Danny Flecka, thank you as always for joining us here on Teeing It Up. Uh, this is guaranteed. It will be a very interesting week ahead. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You got it. Take care. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on Seeing It Up.